What's up, everyone? Welcome back to NFL Only here on Spark Talking. Today, I'll be recapping the 12th week of the NFL season. Uh, the first game we'll get into is Washington at Dallas, the Thanksgiving game. Uh, and the first thing I want to start out with is Washington's. Washington just has so much great talent, young talent at that, on their roster. Uh, going from Trace Young to Terry McLaurin to Antonio Gibson to Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. You can just name off a list of just really good young talent on this roster that has a lot of potential. A lot of it's on the defensive end, but they have some pieces on the offense with Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. And the, this team is learning how to win, and especially learning how to win big games, big playoff deciding games. That's going to do so much for these young players, and it's going to develop them so much. Learning how to win is so important in the NFL. Uh, it is so important. It is the most important thing in the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady figured out how to do it, especially when he was uh, uh, when he was a younger quarterback coming off the 8-8 uh, and season, the year after they won their first Super Bowl. They didn't make the playoffs. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. And uh, he had to prove himself. He had to learn how to win again. And he did. He went to two straight Super Bowls after that. And then we see where Tom Brady's career ended up. And then you go on the opposite end of the spectrum. We'll name off Anthony Lynn here. He hasn't got his team learning how to win. That's why you see so many single-digit losses uh, for the Chargers. They got so much talent on that team. They just don't know how to win games and pull off, uh, pull off these uh, close games where Washington is learning how to do that right now. And, and probably in some of the most important games, uh, these players have had up to this point up to, uh, up to this point in their career. Uh, just a, this is such a, I think, a big development moment for Washington and these young core players for Washington. Just getting this win and propelling them closer and closer to the playoffs. Uh, but I'll start off with uh, getting to the game here. Uh, Washington got after Andy Dalton in this game. Uh, they caused two important turnovers. They caused the uh, fumble, I think it was in the second quarter, led to the field goal for Washington, and then in, uh, the interception that sealed the game for Washington. Uh, their defense is just phenomenal. Washington's defense is absolutely phenomenal, and Ron Rivera, what he's done with this defense, is absolutely outstanding. Uh, he was the, I think, defensive coordinator for the Bears, uh, on their Super Bowl run against uh, in 2006 against the Colts. So he knows what he's doing with the defenses and with the young talent on defenses. Like with the Bears, they had uh, Mike Brown before all his injuries. You had Brian Erlacher. You had Alex Brown at a uh, young stage. You had Tommy Harris. Uh, Lance Briggs at a young stage in his career. Charles Woodson. You had so many, or Nathan Batcher as well. You had so many young core players that Ron Rivera developed on that Chicago on that 2006 Chicago team and got them to the Super Bowl. Uh, and we're seeing it right here with uh, Washington. We're starting to see this development of this young talent on the defensive end with, uh, like I said earlier, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young. You're seeing that development and you're seeing the uh, uh, progression that uh, Ron Rivera has on these players, and how he mo- and how he just gets his players working each week uh, and each season. He's just a phenomenal head coach, and it sucks that uh, what happened in uh, Carolina. You had the Cam Newton situation with him, where Cam Newton wasn't really healthy the last couple of years, 
So they decided to go in a new direction with a new head coach and a new quarterback. Uh, Ron Rivera gets a second chance here in Washington, and I think he's he's proven he's proven himself to be a phenomenal coach. What he's done with his team. Uh, so we're going to Washington's offense here in Washington. They still have their struggles on offense. I'm not going to act like they don't. They still have their struggles on offense. Uh, but I think they're starting to figure out what their identity is. They run the football, uh, get the ball to Terry McLaurin in the pass game, and drop some trick plays like the uh, Logan Thomas pass to uh, Terry McLaurin. That kind of, I think that set up the, uh, if I'm not mistaken here, that set up the first, uh, I want to say touchdown for uh, Washington uh, in the game. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. Uh, yeah, I said it set up Washington for the uh, for their first touchdown of the game. It got them in that scoring range there. Uh, just those type of plays to get a stagnant offense going uh, pays a lot of dividends later in the game. Uh, I think Alex Smith played pretty solid uh, for what he's asked to do at this point in his career. Uh, he didn't really do well under pressure. He threw the interception while he was getting. Uh, hit the uh, one that almost went for a pick six. But the offensive line needs to get better for Washington. Uh, they had three sacks and six quarterback hits on him. And with an older quarterback like Alex Smith, uh, especially coming off an injury like he did, he's not as mobile as he used to be. Uh, that's just not going to be very that's – not, that's not going to be good. That's not going to help your team, uh, especially when it's coming postseason time where you have the Rams, you have – uh, Tampa Bay, you have New Orleans, uh, Packers can get after the pass rusher, uh, Arizona's a, almost, I think, around uh, top 12, top 10 uh, pass rushing teams, you have Chicago with Khalil Mack in the playoff hunt, there's a lot of great pass rushing teams out there, and if your offensive line is this bad, where, uh, where Dallas is getting pressure on it consistently, uh, on a consistent basis, especially this year with how bad Dallas has been, it's not a good sign. And they need to start fixing those holes on the, uh, especially uh, in the pass pro on the offensive line. Uh, but I think he, I think, uh, but still on Alex Smith, I still think he's a good game manager at the moment, and he just does everything they need they need for him to win at the moment. He's not going to go out and win you games. The team around him has to go out and win the game. Uh, and we've seen that a lot in Kansas City. We've seen it a lot in uh, San Francisco where the team around him was winning the games. He necessarily wasn't winning the games himself, but he was putting players in position to go out and to make plays, and that's what he's doing here. And you're seeing a lot of that with uh, Terry McLaurin. Uh, going on to Dallas here, uh, they need to revamp their run defense really bad. Uh, it's tied for the worst in the NFL uh, they allowed uh, Antonio Gibson 115 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, and three touchdowns. That's just unacceptable, especially with a rookie running back uh, who didn't play a lot of running back in college. He played mainly wide receiver. Uh, and this is like his first real uh, role as the starting running back for a team. And to allow uh, his two best games is against Dallas. Dallas is, Dallas needs to revamp their defense. They need to get uh, some more players in there. I know they were betting on uh, Jerome McCoy being the uh, defensive line anchor, the interior defensive line anchor for him, but he ended up tearing his quad uh, during training camp this year. And they haven't really found that replacement uh, for him. 
and it's killing their defense. It really is because their secondary, I think, has played pretty well uh, in pass coverage. But their run defense is absolutely killing them, and teams are just running all over them. It's it's really bad for uh, Dallas. And Dallas just keeps beating themselves. They keep beating themselves. They go for it on fourth down uh, in the second quarter. They, I think they threw like a little out route to CeeDee Lamb. Don't know why they didn't do that. You have, you have Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield on uh, fourth and inches, and you decide not to throw... Or you decide not to run him, uh, run the ball with him, and they throw they throw the football. It's incomplete. Uh, and then literally after that play, they get a penalty. This unnecessary roughness. It gives Washington the ball on the thirty on the twenty yard line, and they have a twenty yard touchdown drive. Uh, it's not just not a good good sequence there for Dallas. I think uh, I'm mistaken here. This put them at. Yeah, this put them down 17-10, to 10, so the game was tied at that point. I don't know what uh, Mike McCarthy's thinking going for. Just punt the football or run it with Ezekiel Elliott. Don't get too cute. Don't get too pass-happy, especially with your backup quarterback. It's not it. And Washington has the statistically best uh, passing defense in the NFL. So I don't know why you want to uh, test them, especially I just don't understand Mike McCarthy's thinking there. It just doesn't make any sense for me. Uh, why Mark, Mike McCarthy went for it there, uh, put them in a bad spot. Washington gets an easy touchdown drive. Uh, so if you go uh, and then and you go later into the game, uh, they fumble, gives Washington an easy field goal. Uh, and then obviously in the fourth quarter, Dallas does a stupid fake punt for absolutely no reason. Uh, it was does, didn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know why they caught it, but if you go to uh, go to Pat McAfee uh, and listen to what he has to say about it, I think he explains this very well. Uh, I'll kind of give you like the basic analy- uh, analyst of it real quick. Where uh, it was, it was a really good play design. It were it really was. It was really good play design. Uh, I think the person was supposed to throw it uh, to a defender, a defender or not defender. Uh, his teammate was third or twenty yards down the field. Should have been at least a completable pass for a non-quarterback. Nobody around him within 10, 20 yards around him. Uh, and if and if the uh, uh, gunner who had the ball who uh, ended up getting tackled on the play, if he throws that football for Dallas, uh, that uh, the opposite side gunner for Dallas has only the uh, punt returner to beat. For Washington, and that's probably going to be a touchdown for Dallas. But instead, the uh, Gunner keeps it. He tries to make a move. He tries to run with the football instead of throwing it. And the uh, and the play looks stupid to everybody because it's like it doesn't make it. It doesn't make sense why they go for it. So it was a good design play for Mike McCarthy. It just wasn't executed properly at all. Uh, they had a touchdown. They probably had a touchdown or a very long reception. Uh, on a great design play, but it just wasn't executed very well. So I would I would say go to uh, Pat McAfee's uh, YouTube page and watch uh, and watch the clip of him talking about that play because it was uh, he he explains it a lot better than what I just did there. But it was just a great play uh, play design by Mike McCarthy, just not executed very properly uh, at all. It just wasn't executed at all properly. And then you had the pick six. 
And then let's uh, not forget about probably the most deciding factor in the game. Uh, Dallas gets an interception uh, on Alex Smith. They cause pressure. Jalen Smith goes and gets an interception. Gets chased down by Terry McLaurin on the four-yard line. And they're dry. they go three and out uh, on a drive that goes for negative six yards. And they kick a field goal. That basically sums up Dallas's season right there. Just missed opportunities uh, throughout the whole season. And the thing is, if you take away the uh, take away the fumble, you take away the uh, or you take away the pick six, take away a lot all those scoring opportunities that sh- probably shouldn't have happened that came from Dallas mistakes. Dallas wins this game twenty to seventeen. Dallas wins this game 20-17. You take you take off 24 points away from Washington. You take off, I think, was it the picks? Let me see if I can think through this. The pick six is seven. Uh, the fumble that led to the field goal was 10. They had the, uh, let's see real quick. I think they had, uh, the uh, yeah, the turnover downs. I think the fake punt, that led to a touchdown. Uh, and then they had a... Um, let me see real quick. Yeah, and they had the and the other turnover downs what led to a touchdown. So they had two turnover downs. They led the touchdowns. They had the pick six. That's twenty one points right there. Then the field goal. That's twenty four. Dallas wins this game, and then obviously if they can uh, uh, convert or, or score a touchdown on that pick six, that makes it even a bigger win for Dallas. But Dallas ha- put themselves in position to win these games, and they don't do it. And it's a lot of missed opportunities. And I go back to uh, what I said when I started uh, this recap about Washington. Washington is learning how to win games with their coach, with this new system. And it's going to develop their young players. What Dallas is doing right now is they're not learning. They don't know how to win. They keep beating themselves. And we see this uh, week in and week out. And it's not a... It's not a good recipe for success, especially with a new head coach in there. And if this continues into next year, which I think I, I, we, I think people have been hearing, Mike McCarthy uh, is most likely going to stay. They're going to give him another shot next year, uh, probably with Dak Prescott at quarterback. It just it's not going to work well, especially if players don't know how to win in a new system. It just doesn't work well like that. So a great win by uh, Washington, a bad loss for Dallas. Uh, they beat themselves again, and that's literally been the story of their season. So we'll move on to Arizona at New England. And um, what a great win by New England in this game. This was a great win. Uh, they got back to what they do well. They got back to running the football. An amazing, uh, amazing game plan by Josh McDaniels. They literally take the ball out of Cam Newton's hands, just put it into your running backs. Uh, they had 30 total rushes on the day. Uh, they had 28 between Cam Newton, uh, James White, and uh, Damian Harris. Uh, their three main, uh, their three main runners. Uh, and if you add all three of uh, all three of them up, Cam Newton, James uh, James White, and Damian Harris, they averaged four point yards uh, yards per carry. Which is which is the uh, basically the mark whether it's four yards to carry. If you're over, you're it's considered a good rushing day. If you're under four yards to carry, 
it's considered a bad rushing day. So, uh, a, a very solid performance here by Washington against a very solid defense in uh, Arizona, especially in the ground game. And this is what New England needs to do to make the playoffs. Four of their last five games uh, have uh, bad run defenses. You have uh, the Jets, I want to say. You have Buffalo has a really bad run defense. Uh, Miami, and I'm blanking on the uh, I'm blanking on the last one here. Uh, let me let me see real quick. I think I'm I'm completely blanking on it. I don't know why I am because no no the Rams are the one game that that's a legit run defense. All right, so you have the Chargers. So they face the Chargers, Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. That's four out of their last five games. All all four of those teams uh. Do not have very good run defenses. Uh, the Jets have a pretty solid one. They're just probably not going to win a game this year. Uh, but New England, if they can get the nine and seven this year, that's a win. That's a win, especially with uh, how they started and how this how the middle portion of the season went for New England, where they uh, where they lost was at four in a row, uh, and all of them were bad losses. They got destroyed by the Chiefs. You got uh, you got upset by Denver, a n- not that very good Denver team that's been injured all year. Uh, get absolutely destroyed by an injury raid uh, 49ers team, and then lose on a fumble to Buffalo uh, with under a minute left, uh, driving to win the game. So tough losses all through there, and then you can add in the Seattle one as well. So New England's season could be a lot different right now. From what it is, if they don't have that stumble through the midway through the season, there if they beat Denver, they go on to beat Buffalo, they beat Seattle. There, that's three wins right there. All right, they are eight and three instead of five and six. But uh, you can't go back and you change. You can't change history. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't do that. You just have to live was uh, of what's happened and then learn from it and then move on, which I think New England's done very well. And their only mishap came last week against the Texans where don't know what they were doing decided to throw the football with Cam Newton you're facing the uh the tied for worst run defense in the league they're tied with Dallas Houston is with the worst run defense in the league just run the football it doesn't make any sense I I think I say this every week about New England but it's just it's annoying just run the football take the <laughs> take the uh ball out of Cam Newton's hands Cam Newton almost threw this game away he almost threw it away uh, he threw a terrible interception, led to a touchdown uh, for Arizona. I think that uh, put the, if I'm not mistaken, I put the game at uh, seven to seven or fourteen to. I'm, I'm sorry, my computer's just acting up here. Sorry about that. Uh, all right, so yeah, so yeah, it led to, yeah, yeah, the first drive of the game, yeah, it leads to the, it was a terrible pass. Led to a touchdown. Arizona goes up seven to nothing, uh, and it's just not. And then he goes and he throws the interception in the fourth quarter on uh, their second to last drive of the game, and they're lucky. Zane Gonzalez missed a what was it? What did he, how, how long was the field goal? He missed a forty-five yard field goal, a makeable kick for him, and he just completely shanked the field goal. And New England got lucky and they won the game. Uh, and they're able to drive down and win the game off of it. Just a, just take the ball to Kim Newton's hands. He's not what he used to be anymore. And I think he's starting to push stuff now uh, when he does throw the football. Uh, 
because I think he's getting anxious. He's getting, uh, I think he's starting to feel that he's not the same quarterback that he used to be. And he just, I think he's pushing a lot instead of uh, kind of relaxing and taking everything in, trying to read the defense. He's just pushing, he's making quick reads, and they're not very good reads at that, and they get picked off a lot. And that's what the uh, that's what the season you're having for Cam Newton is. He's just pushing a lot, and he doesn't need to push that much. And it's kill, it's almost killing New England right now. Uh, New England did a great job going to their defense of containing uh, Kyler Murray. It was a great job. They uh, held him to 160 yards uh, passing and only 31 yards rushing on five carries. So they kept him contained. And I saw a stat where uh, teams have been blitzing Kyle Murray a lot more, especially on their last three games. All three should be losses. They, they, they should have lost to Buffalo. That Hail Mary, amazing play. But they, they should have lost to Buffalo there. So th- pro- uh, probably three, they, they should have lost three games in a row there. And the teams have been blitzing them more. Uh, I think Kyle, Kyle Murray still probably, he's still trying to figure out defenses. Uh, he's in his second year. Uh, hopefully, he can get better at that. But he needs to start figuring out uh, how to beat pressure, uh, how to beat a team not only with his feet but with his uh, but with his arm as well. Uh, especially when the team takes away his feet. Russell Wilson had to learn that. He had a he had a couple of down years there, where like it was the defense carrying the team through the first Super Bowl. Uh, and his rookie in his uh, sophomore year for Russell Wilson, he wasn't the best quarterback. He had to learn uh, how to play inside the pocket. He had to learn how to be a quarterback instead of being uh, instead of uh, relying on his feet to uh, carry uh, carry the team to victory. He needed uh, he needed to rely on his arm. He needed to rely on his brain, and that's where you see Russell Wilson's progression. And how great of a quarterback he's become. Kyler Murray can do the same thing. He just needs to get the mindset right. Uh, he needs to get the mind right on um, reading defenses. Or picking up blitzes. And he needs to be able to beat teams uh, solely through the air. And not with his feet that much. And that, we're seeing Russell Wilson do that this year a lot. So, just uh, I think a very good game plan here by New England. Uh... Just, uh, just keeping him contained, not allowing him to run. When he did run, it was mainly when the interior defensive lineman slipped and fell. Uh, and and New England's interior D line got at uh, the these guards and tackles for Arizona. Like there was a lot of interior pressure in this game, uh, and caused Kyler Murray to throw some bad pra- uh, passes. Uh, it caused him to throw the ball away a lot, trying to scramble out, throw the ball away. Uh, it just wasn't. It wasn't the best game for the offensive line for Arizona, and New England's defense, interior uh, defense, really dominated in that in the game. Uh, and also, uh, New England they had the great goal line stand before half to keep it to a field goal game. Uh, Arizona gets that; they're up by seven. Oh, they're, my bad, they're up by ten. Instead, New England stops them. They're down by three at half, and then. Uh, what is it? And then they go out and they uh, they kick a field goal uh, at the beginning of the second or the second half, and they tie the game up. And New England really did not they they didn't give up the lead 
after they took it, after picking off Kyler Murray after their field goal. So, just a great win here by uh, New England. And Arizona, I think teams are starting to figure him out. I think it, a lot of it has to do with Kyler Murray's development. And once he develops, I think he'll be... Uh, He'll he'll be phenomenal, but he just he, need, he needs to take time to develop. He's only in his second year, and but I think it just with the talent that this team has, especially on the offensive end, people want them to uh, be amazing right away, be this phenomenal team, be the one seed, be have home field advantage through the playoffs. But yeah, I think people have to remember Kyler Murray's in his second year. Cliff Kingsbury is in, is in his second year as a head coach, so both of them are still working out their kinks. Uh, with each other, and they're still trying to move forward uh, with each other as a duo. This is only their second year as a duo together, and I th- we're starting to see a lot of improvements. And maybe they get into the playoffs this year. The uh, people in the hunt for the NFC have not showed a lot of uh, promise. The only one is uh, Minnesota for me. Uh, San Francisco is just too banged up at the moment, but. Uh, it looks like Arizona's going to get in by default into that seven spot. And I think that would be a big plus, especially with Kyle Murray's development. It doesn't matter how you get into the playoffs. If you get that playoff experience, it changes a lot. And we, I think we've seen that with Russell, Russell Wilson. They get into the playoffs. They actually go out and they win a game. And then they come back and then they lose to Atlanta. They come back, take the lead in that game. Then Matt Ryan makes a couple great throws. Uh, gets Atlanta in the field goal range, and beats Russell Wilson. Kyler Murray has a lot of Russell Wilson in him. He does. He 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 has so much Russell Wilson in him that uh, he just he just reminds me of him. Uh, shorter quarterback. Both of them have baseball backgrounds. Both of them throw very similar, uh, especially with uh, the uh, sky balls that both of them throw and are so good at throwing. Both of them are very mobile. It's just I think Kyler Murray just let him develop. Uh, Russell Wilson had a couple had hiccups in his first couple of years. Uh, just allow Kyle Murray to develop here, and he's only in the second year. He's just going to get better uh, as he gets older and as he progresses. Uh, but just a great uh, overall by the win, just a great win here by uh, New England. I don't think it hurts Arizona that much. They still can uh, they still control their own fate. They still have winnable games on the schedule, so it, I don't think it really affects them that much. Uh, only that they will probably end up getting the seventh seed rather than a six or five or maybe a home field event or home field playoff game. But uh, it is what it is. You're going. is. They're on a slump right now, and hopefully they can turn around here. They're a really fun team to watch, uh, Arizona is. And New England, we'll see, we'll see what they end up doing. So we'll move on to Tennessee uh, at Indianapolis. And I want to say, uh, first before I get into the game, Charles Davis needs to mention the fact that DeForest Buckner was not playing in the game. He didn't mention it once. I don't think the entire I don't think the entire first half, maybe the entire second half of this game. Charles Davis did not mention the fact that DeForest Buckner was not playing. And that was a big reason why Tennessee ran all over Indianapolis. Alright. Uh, just want to get that out of the way. Charles Davis Charles Davis pretty annoying. I know a lot of people are if you play Madden, he's the uh, announcer on Madden. Not very. I don't think he's that good at it. That good at announcing. Uh, not not the biggest fan of him. He, uh, just I think he needs to 
Like he just he's, he feels like a propaganda tool for the NFL to push up its stars almost. Kind of like a uh, reference WWE here. It's kind of kind of what WWE does with uh, their announcers, where they boost up their stars uh, so they get more media, more popularity to them. That's what it feels like uh, Charles Davis did, especially in this game because like, Derrick Henry had a great game. Not taking that away, but the Colts were missing their best defensive player. They were missing their best defensive player uh, in the Forrest Buckner, and we seen what the Forrest Buckner was able to do in the first game against them. Where he slowed him down just enough uh, to where the Colts were able to uh, stop uh, Tennessee and get pressure on Tennessee throughout the game. But it's just a like, just mention the fact that Indianapolis was missing some players in the game. It was kind of bugging me there that uh, Charles Davis just didn't mention the fact. So uh, the fact about uh, Indianapolis having a lot of people in COVID protocol. Uh, but I'm going to get into some positives about Tennessee because I really like Tennessee this year. I really do. I think they have a great shot at making it to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry ran all over them. They, uh, Colts, like I said a bunch of times there, DeForest Buckner wasn't playing uh, in the game. I think he was in COVID protocol or something. So, uh, that, like, it just shows, it just goes to show how great of a player DeForest Buckner really is and how much of a difference he does make on this Colts defense. Uh, especially up in the uh, interior of that defensive line. But Derrick Henry uh, just ran all over the Colts in this game. It was absolutely disgusting. Uh, I loved what Mike Vrabel did and Arthur Smith did in this game. They saw the Colts did struggle a little bit in the Thursday night game a couple weeks ago. And Derrick Henry got, I think, over 150 yards on him. Uh, and... The Colts didn't really have an answer for Derrick Henry. And then Tennessee got a little bit too pass-happy. Uh, Colts got some pressure on Ryan Tannehill. Got some key sacks and some key moments. And it really turned the tide of that uh, Thursday night game. Uh, and Tennessee ended up losing that game. And this one, they said, we're just going to stick with the run game. We're going to run it as many times as we want to. Because the Colts aren't going to be able to stop us. Especially without the Forrest Buckner. Uh, Tennessee ran the ball 45 times as a team. Had 229 yards and 5.1 yards per carry. That's just insane. That's Madden numbers right there. That is absolutely insane. Uh, and they had four total touchdowns uh, as a team. I think one, one was Ryan Tannehill, three was Derrick Henry. And then Derrick Henry's stats of the game, 27 carries, 178 yards, 6.6 yards a carry, and three touchdowns. That dude's absolutely phenomenal. He is phenomenal. Uh, he's virtually this generation's Adrian Peterson. Right now, he's just literally carrying the team on his back. And he's like, I'm just going to carry you on my back. And I'm going to drag us to the playoffs. And hopefully, y'all can step up uh, in the playoffs just enough so we can win these games. Uh, like they did last year uh, against Baltimore and against uh, New England as well. They really stepped up big. And Derrick Henry carried them to those wins. And then once Derrick Henry, once Kansas City uh, figured out what to do, Chris Jones had a phenomenal game against Tennessee in that AFC Championship, and Derrick Henry got stopped in that game, and it completely destroyed Tennessee's offense. So this offense uh, with Tennessee, it runs through Derrick Henry. It runs through Derrick Henry. Uh, and uh, the, good th- the thing is, though, the, what, the reason I do like Tennessee so much going into the playoffs, there's a lot of bottom 10 run defense ri- defenses right now uh, in the hunt, or 
in the playoffs right now at the moment in the AFC. Uh, Kansas City is a bottom 10 run defense. Uh, who's the Buffalo is a bottom uh, close to a bottom 10 run or yeah close to a bottom 10 run defense. Uh, who's the uh, who's the third? I'm thinking I'm completely blanking on here. Uh, who is the really messing up here? Who's the other team here that's in the playoff hunt for? Uh, I'm completely blanking on the team. But if you go to uh, uh, go to the teams in the hunt, you have Baltimore. Not a very good run stopping defense. You have uh, New England. Not a very good stop, run stopping defense. Just a lot of uh, a lot of teams that don't really stop the run well in the AFC right now. And Tennessee, if they can get the ground game going and stabilize that ground game. Uh, sorry if you heard that move. I accidentally like hit my wire for my mic and it almost flew my phone out uh, from underneath me. Sorry if you hear like a bump there, but. Uh, yeah, Tennessee has a great shot at making it to the Super Bowl this year, just with what uh, what teams they have to go up against in the postseason, uh, and the way Derrick Henry's been playing her lately, uh, it's it's going to it's going to create some problems for a lot of teams in the AFC, and Tennessee's going to be a very hard team to stop. Uh, AJ Brown, absolutely phenomenal. I think he's probably the best uh, in and out runner. Uh, route runner in the NFL. That dude runs in routes and out routes like so perfectly. Like nobody's able to stop him on him. That's how good he is at running those routes. And then he has the obviously has the breakaway speed. We saw him. We saw his uh, touchdown catch, his long one. Uh, just phenomenal, uh, phenomenal player. And I wish they'd do a little bit more with him because I know he can run uh, fade routes. We've seen it in Chicago. He made the amazing catch. Uh, in the Chicago game, so I would love them to see. I would love to see them do more with AJ Brown, uh, except run in routes and out routes for like ninety percent of the game. So, uh, just he's a phenomenal receiver, and I wish they would expand his route tree more because I know he can run those different type of routes, especially the uh, uh, those double moves. He he's he's going to be a phenomenal receiver if they can do more with him. Uh, than what they're doing, and they're doing a lot with him right now. So, uh, move on to Indianapolis here, and I wish Indianapolis would throw the football down the field more and stretch the field, uh, especially with T.Y. Hilton. Uh, T.Y. Hilton does, has not gotten enough targets this year. He has not gotten enough targets this year. Uh, he has five targets. In this game alone, he only had five targets. He had four receptions, 81 yards, and a touchdown. And, like, literally half of those came off of the... Uh, Give me a second here. I think, uh, yeah. So, yeah, they came off like one big uh, touchdown for him. Uh, my computer's messing up here. All right, there we go. Uh, yeah, it came off of a 50-yard play. So, he only had, realistically, without that one catch, he had three yards for, or three catches for 31 yards. So, he's just not, like, they're not giving him the ball enough. They're not utilizing him in the offense, and especially as a deep threat. Uh, they're not throwing the football down the field, and that's kind of worrisome for the Colts. Is they're not pushing the ball down the field, and they're taking these dink and dunks, and these teams and these teams are starting to figure it out and they're starting to play it better. Green Bay did it in the first half last week uh, against Green Bay, and then this week uh, Tennessee did it against Indianapolis, and they uh, stopped Indianapolis's offense. Uh, also, uh, I think not having Jonathan Taylor. This week did hurt uh, Indianapolis. 
Uh, Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines are the same type of running back. They're shifty. They're great receiving backs. And they're very. both of them are very good chains of pace. They're not very a... They're not a good workload running back, but you play them. You give them like seven, maybe eight carries a game. Uh, they're going to make some splash plays for you in the run game. Uh, but them being the main back, it just doesn't work well. And both of them together, te- game, uh, defenses can game plan for both at once because they're so similar of uh, running backs. And the Colts only got three point one yards per carry, and that's what uh, Tennessee did. They just game plan uh, game plan for both of them. I uh, didn't have to worry about Jonathan Taylor, and it killed the Colts in this game because having Jonathan Taylor in there creates that change of pace back uh, that, Na- that Naheem Hines is and Jordan Wilkins is. But it just it killed them in this game. Uh, not having uh, Jonathan Taylor and uh, DeForest Buckner in this game, it really killed a lot of uh, pro- what the Colts do well in this game. Uh, also, Philip Rivers got pressured a lot in this game, especially against the pretty poor... Uh, Pass rushing team. Uh, Anthony Costanzo got injured. Uh, Ryan Kelly was out of this game, and it showed uh, he got Philip Rivers got hit a lot in this game. Six quarterback hits. He had two sacks, uh, and you don't really see that from a Colts offensive line, especially the last three years. Uh, it just not hasn't like they don't really do that type of stuff. Uh, play that badly, but they had a bad game this week, and it showed because Philip Rivers doesn't play well under pressure. Uh, he's been pretty bad under pressure this year, and it's just not, uh, and it's just not a winning formula for the Colts right now, especially with all those players out: DeForest Buckner and Jonathan Taylor, uh, Ryan Kelly, and then now Costanzo got injured late in the game against Tennessee. So, it's the Colts are just getting the injury bug at the worst possible time right now, and uh, it sucks. But uh, yeah, this. Uh, I think this this uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis is going to have a third game. Uh, I think it's going to have a third game. Uh, it's going to be a wild card game. I think Tennessee is going to have home field uh, going into the playoffs, and we'll see what happens. These teams, when both are healthy, I think can challenge Pittsburgh and Kansas City. I think they can give them both of those teams a run for their money. Uh, if Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Don't make it. It's going to be Indianapolis or Tennessee. It's going to be one of those two. Uh, and this is going that uh, if they do play in the wild card, that game might decide uh, might decide who makes it to the Super Bowl and who doesn't. Uh, because it just a because I think Kansas City, I think Indianapolis can beat Kansas City. We've seen that. Uh, last year with Jacoby Brissett, where they kind of they shut down Pat Mahomes, they won. I think they won ten to seven, or thirteen to seven in that game last year. And then Tennessee, I think if they play to their strengths, not like they did in the uh, first game this year against Pittsburgh, I think they play. Uh, I think they beat Pittsburgh. So it's just a. It just depends on that matchup there. So I think uh, it really like that. I think if uh, Tennessee and Indianapolis play one more time. That might be the most important game of the playoffs, or one of the most important games, because I think it will decide uh, how the AFC really shakes out. So we'll move on to uh, Carolina at Minnesota, and uh, Minnesota never should have won this game. They never should have won this game at all. They had two formal returns for touchdowns on back-to-back drives. Uh, they had to rely on a field goal getting blocked in the midway through the third quarter uh, 
and after you go down by 14, <clears throat> and it was one of the differences in this game, uh, with them only winning by, uh, they won by one. Was it 28 to 27? Yeah, 28 to 27. So that was a big difference in the game. Uh, they muffed a punt with uh, three with uh, yeah three minutes left in the game, uh, and then the uh, and then you have to rely on Teddy Bridgewater, who's been who's a very accurate quarterback, missing a wide open DJ Moore in the back of the end zone for a touchdown that would have sealed the game, uh, and then they rely on another missed field goal for Joey Sly. Uh, to basically seal up the game and win them the game. Uh, Minnesota got lucky in this one. I'll say that for sure. Minnesota got lucky. Everything that Minnesota had to do to lose this game, they did, and they still came out victorious. Uh, uh, Kirk Cousins got sacked twice, got nine quarterback hits. Carolina got a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins in this game. Uh, Minnesota uh, doubled the amount of passes uh, that they had. Uh, that the, then they had runs. They had 45 passes to 24 runs. That's not a recipe for success for Minnesota. They're a run-first team. Throwing four times with Kirk Cousins does not really end up in a win for Minnesota. And then, obviously, they didn't have Adam Thielen in this game. I still don't know how they won this game. I, I really couldn't tell you how they won. Minnesota is just a very gritty football team. They're a fun team to watch. They got a lot of great players on the on the team. And I just don't know. I just don't know uh, how uh, how they won this game. But it is a great confidence-boosting win uh, for them to get this type of win. Uh, and Kirk Cousins, I'll say this: this dude, when he plays with, when he has an underdog mentality for him, and when he's able to have that type of swagger, uh, like the you like that swagger. I think Kirk, Kirk Cousins just plays out of his mind. Uh, the name I'm going to name off a couple here. Uh, he came off the bench in Washington. A lot of people didn't think he was that good, replacing uh, RG3. Uh, he was the fourth-round pick. He was supposed to be the backup to RG3. He comes in, replaces him. makes His first full year starting, he makes it to the postseason with Washington. Uh, then he goes on and moves on to Minnesota, has, the first, has a really bad first season with Minnesota. Bounces back, makes the playoffs. Uh, the next in his second year with Minnesota, and then his playoff game with Minnesota, uh, underdog again against New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans teams that was favored to go to the Super Bowl. They they uh, come out and they upset New Orleans in New Orleans, and then obviously 0-9 in Monday Night Football games against Chicago comes out with another underdog mentality, comes out and wins the game. And, make, and the difference in that game was a beautiful throw to Adam Thielen and a beautiful catch by him. So, just a just this underdog mentality, this chip on his shoulder that Kirk Cousins plays with at times. Uh, he needs to play with that all the times because this this dude when he's playing with that chip, it's it, like he's he's a really good quarterback. Uh, but the thing is, he doesn't play with that all the time. He doesn't. He doesn't play with that chip on his shoulder. And then you get some of those games like you did early in the year where he's just playing absolutely awful. Uh, and I think that's where you see the inconsistency. I just think he needs that drive at all times, and he doesn't have that. And that's where you get the inconsistencies. But this Minnesota team is going to be very fun to watch at the end of the year. It's going to be very fun to watch. they got some tough games uh, coming up. 
but they're going to be a very, very fun team to watch. Uh, who who they have? They have Jacksonville. They should win that one. But then they got the Buccaneers. They got the Bears. They got the Saints. They got the Lions. Buccaneers, the hardest game left on the schedule. They they play very well against New Orleans. That's why I'm saying Buccaneers is the hardest game left on their schedule. Uh, one, they get a winnable game against Jacksonville, Chicago, and Detroit. So that should be three wins, or likely three wins. So that should put them at eight wins. And then nine and seven would be amazing for uh, this uh, Minnesota team, especially where they uh, started out. Uh, especially where they started out this year. So, just to, I think even, it doesn't matter if Minnesota makes the playoffs. I think we're seeing what this Minnesota team could do next year uh, with a little bit better players, maybe some really good draft picks. Uh, and they're probably, hopefully, build up the offensive line just a little bit more uh, for Minnesota. But it, they, uh, Minnesota, had, uh, they're playing with the chip on their shoulder. Kirk Cousins is, is playing with the chip on their shoulder. And they have the identity uh, of what they like to do, and they play very well at that identity, just running with Delvin Cook, making Delvin Cook the uh, focal point of the offense. But on to Carolina. They they have so many chances to win this game. They have so many chances to win this game. Uh, and they didn't come up with it. I think this is one of Teddy B's worst performances of his career. He just didn't have a good game. He had a couple really good throws in there, like the uh, Curtis Samuel deep pass that set up the Joey Sly miss. Uh, missed go-ahead field goal uh, for Carolina. He made a beautiful throw in there to Curtis Samuel, but this was not a very this was not a good game for Teddy B. Uh, this was it was it was this was one of his worst performances of his career. It's not a it's not a good game for him at all. Uh, Carolina's run defense really stepped up this week, though. Then uh, that was the thing I was most impressed uh, with Carolina. The run defense has been very poor this year. Uh, but they held Dalvin Cook to 61 yards and 3.4 yards of carry. And I know Dalvin Cook got banged up a little bit halfway through the game, but still, hold him to just 3.4 yards of carry, I think on 18 rushes, that's uh, that's amazing. Uh, and they just, Carolina has such a great, has a good young team. Uh, they're very similar to uh, Washington. They got really good young talent. You just need to let them develop. Washington got lucky. They're in a crap division where they had, they got a chance to make it to the playoffs. Uh, Carolina's not that lucky. They got New Orleans. They got Tampa in their division. Uh, they got Atlanta in their division. So they're in one of the hardest divisions in football. Uh, not like uh, not like Washington, where they're in the e- where they're in pro- they're the easiest uh, division. Carolina has a great talent on their team, great young talent, and just let them develop. Let them develop. They just get better and better each week. Uh, Brian Burns has really come through the season and had a really good season. Derek Brown starting to step up. Uh, their first, uh, their top ten pick this year. Uh, Tay Bridgewater has has had his ups and downs, but it's basically kind of a his second rookie year uh, this year. Uh, DJ Moore has really come through really big. Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey. When they get him healthy, this offense is, looks completely different and looks a lot better with Christian McCaffrey in there. So this team is just young for Carolina, and they just need to develop. It really is. They just, excuse me there. They just need to develop. And Minnesota, uh, like they, they're just going to be a very fun team to watch here at the end of the stretch, uh, at the end of the season stretch. So we'll move on to 
San Francisco at Los Angeles. And San Francisco's been uh, the Rams' kryptonite this year for some reason. They've they just been their kryptonite. Uh, San Francisco dominated the first game against them. And then they, San Francisco really dominated this game against the Rams as well. All right, The Rams had a couple plays in there to give them the lead. But really, San Francisco dominated this game thoroughly. Uh, the Rams, I think, they really beat themselves. Their first possession, they drive down and they fumble. All right, they get they get. I think they drove down like 30 yards and then they fumbled the football. A couple of possessions later, Jared Goff throws a terrible INT to uh, Richard Sherman uh, on a first and ten. It was just an awful throw. He threw it directly to Richard Sherman. Uh, and then on the next uh, three drives, they only get 23 yards total. I think it was uh, there's two three and outs and a six play drive on one where they convert like a third and one. So through, uh, the next three drives after the interception by Goff, they go only 23 yards in those three drives. And then then it starts the uh, second half, and then they fumble right away uh, to start the second half. Uh, and they were driving the score again. So the Rams really just beat themselves in this game. They, they had a terrible first half. Uh, they, had a, they had a terrible first half. Actually, they fumbled. Uh, yeah, my bad. They fumbled before half driving the score and then to start the second half on back-to-back possessions uh they fumbled again so they had three uh was it three fumbles in the basically the first half of the game for uh the rams at four turnovers uh let me see let me double check that real quick so yeah there's the fumble here you had the interception that's uh three the fumble and then the, uh, my bad, it was the interception. It wasn't a uh, fumble. It, they had four turnovers, uh, basically not even starting the second half. They had a pick six to start the second half. Uh, it was terrible. Like, Jared Goff is not the answer for the Rams. He's just not the answer at all. And the Rams remind me a lot of the two, 2018 Chicago Bears. Uh, they really do. The defense literally is keeping them in games they should win. And the offense just does enough to win, like, uh, against playoff matchups. Like, uh, you've seen the Bears, what they did against the Rams in 2018, where they did enough just to win. Scored one touchdown, got in the field range a couple times, just scored enough just to win. Uh, We see the Rams, they did that against uh, Tampa Bay. They did it against uh, Seattle. They did just enough to win those games. But the defense has been carrying them through some of these other games. And the defense just can't do that every single week uh, when you're not putting up points and when you're basically giving the team short fills to score points. All right, it's just the the Rams' offense, Sean McVay has to deal with a lot of crap on that offense, especially with Jared Goff. And uh, I remember I said this last week on the Monday night game, uh, Jared Goff's, or him kicking a field goal with Jared Goff or playing conservative with him, Mike, uh, if it costs him the game, uh, then he's then he's going to be more aggressive with Jared Goff. It didn't cost the Rams the game. So he's going to play conservative with Jared Goff probably through the rest of this season. And it could cost them big uh, because he doesn't trust Jared Goff. Sean McVay does not trust Jared Goff to go out and win him games. And Jared Goff just keeps proving that to him each week that he's just not the quarterback. He's not that franchise quarterback for him at all. And it's just they need to go in another direction next offseason. They probably need to 
dump him somewhere to a bad team, let him be a bridge quarterback for somebody. Uh, that's probably what they need to do. Because he's just not the answer. And if the Rams get a better quarterback in there, the Rams are back where they were in 2018 where they go to the Super Bowl. That's where they are. They're back They're back in the Super Bowl if they get a better quarterback. Uh, but the Rams' defense, they're, they're Super Bowl caliber. They did phenomenal. They held San Francisco's running offense to 3.4 yards to carry on 33 rushes. Held Nick Mullins to only 252 yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception. The Rams' defense is absolutely phenomenal. They've been absolutely phenomenal uh, this year. It's just the offense has been so lackluster. And Jared Goff has been probably the worst... Uh, like these, like what he's what he's done in some of these games this year has been absolutely awful. Uh, the first game against San Francisco, the game against Miami, uh, the game against this game here against San Francisco again, the second game has not has just been awful. He's had he's had some terrible games this year where uh, you just like he doesn't look like an NFL quarterback at all, and it's t- absolutely terrible. So we'll move on to San Francisco and Robert Salah. This dude needs a head coaching job. This was a mastermind. Uh, the defensive coordinator for San Francisco, Robert Salah. Dude is phenomenal. Absolutely uh, absolutely amazing. San Francisco is a top 10 uh, defense this year again, and that's without uh, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman for most of the year. Like they're, They've been really good. The only thing, obviously, is the pass rush. You can't really replace Nick Bosa or Solomon Thomas. Uh especially with what type of impact they did have last year. You can't, uh, my voice cracked there, but uh, you just can't have, you, you can't replace those type of guys, those game-changing guys. Uh, you can just try to add some pieces there, but it's not going to be the same. And that's where San Francisco has likes this year on defense is the pass rush, and that's due to injuries. Everything else has been freaking phenomenal, and that a lot of that goes to Robert Salah. The dude is amazing. Uh, that dude's a mastermind on defense. Uh, and I think the, the defense won this game for San Francisco. Like I said, uh, the Rams shut down uh, San Francisco's offense for the majority of the day. The only person they really couldn't stop was Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel had his way with uh, the Rams' uh, defense. He had 133 yards uh, receiving. He had, uh, I thought they ran, uh, they did basically some jet sweeps. They counted them as passes. Uh, but he. He he played phenomenal, but besides that, the Rams really shut down the rest of uh, San Francisco's offense, and then San Francisco's defense really shut down the Rams' offense, caused Jared Goff to uh, make a lot of mistakes in this game, and the defense really did win this game for uh, San Francisco because it it took away a lot of scoring opportunities for the Rams. Uh, but San Francisco is still in the playoff hunt. They're still in the playoff hunt. They're only a game behind uh, Arizona. And if they can get healthy, they can get George Kittle, they can get Jimmy Grant, or Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Garoppolo back healthy. San Francisco has a great shot making the playoffs. They have a great shot. And with with uh, Robert Salah's, what, how he's able, what he's able to do on defense, then you have Kyle Shanahan, what he's able to do on the offensive end. This team could be dangerous. If you get them into the playoffs, they could be a very dangerous team, and they could upset somebody uh, like Green Bay, like a New Orleans, or I'm trying to think of the fourth uh, division. Oh, never mind, that's the NFC East. Never mind. 
But they they could even make it to the NFC Championship. They could upset uh, Seattle. They could upset one of these uh, NFC West teams in the playoffs. Uh, or they can knock them out of the playoffs. Even if San Francisco doesn't get into the playoffs, they can knock another NFC West team out of the playoffs. That's just how good they are. And it sucks they have to deal with so many injuries this year. It really does. Uh, I think San Francisco probably wins the Super Bowl this year. We may get, we could have got a rematch between the Chiefs and the 49ers. And then I think 49ers probably pull that one out. But they just have so many injuries, man, and it sucks. But, but San Francisco has a lot of... Uh, they got a lot of things going right for them. They just need to stay healthy. All right, so I'm going to uh, take a break here and then wrap up these final three games. Uh, and, and hey, yeah, so I'll just basically wrap up these final three games. So I'm going to take a break here. I'm almost to the hour time limit, and then uh, I'll get back to it. So I'm going to take a break now. And I'm back, uh, and we'll get started with the Kansas City uh, and Tampa Bay game. And... I, I can I can't say enough about Andy Reid. How much I uh, love to watch him coach. The dude's freaking phenomenal. He's he is absolutely amazing. Uh, and this dude's just a genius. I I'll give you this play of the second goal, the first drive for Kansas City, and they had Pat Mahomes running around again in the uh, backfield. They snapped the ball to him. He uh, he flips it to uh, Tyree Kill. Uh, Tyree Kill goes around. He flips it to Travis Kelsey. And then Pat Holmes is wide open in the end zone. Uh, Tampa Bay played this really well. Uh, and and then uh, basically Travis Kelsey was forced to pump fake it and then throw a pass. He just, he just didn't throw a good pass. And uh, it just wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a completion. But it just shows you the creativity, the genius of Andy Reid where he had Pat Mahomes open for a touchdown at some point on this play. Uh, Travis Kelsey just couldn't get the ball out in time. And it's just like Andy Reid is just such a genius. He he's just a genius. Every time I every time I talk about the Chiefs, I just I I mention Andy Reid. It he makes this team work. All right. If you say it's not Pat Mahomes that makes this team work, it's Andy Reid. All right. Andy Reid is the I'll say I say this all the time. He's the best play designer of all time uh, in NFL history. He's the best play designer. And what he's able to draw up and what he's able to do. The dude is absolutely believable. And this is his team. He has control of this team. And like, it's just phenomenal. And he's one of, the, he's one of my favorite coaches. I, I loved watching him grow uh, when I was growing up. I loved watching him with Philadelphia. Uh, and I loved watching him and how he was able to get the Chiefs back on track very quickly. Uh after that one in uh was it one in fifteen two and fourteen season that they had where they drafted Eric Fisher uh, first overall and Andy Reid got the Chiefs back on track very quickly made them a playoff team got them their, their first playoff win in twenty twenty five years twenty years or something uh, like that and Andy Reid's just been he's been phenomenal uh, with the Chiefs and we really we've really seen a uh, rebirth of him almost uh, where those time management issues they don't really show up anymore uh, for Andy Reid those uh, mistakes that he usually that he made with Philadelphia they don't show up anymore and I think he's really just honed his craft he's very he's really just gotten better as a head coach and he's actually improved a lot 
And we're seeing what an improved Andy Reid is doing to the NFL, and, and especially he has this quarterback now in Pat Mahomes. Absolutely insane what they're able to do together. Uh, Pat Mahomes had amazing passes to uh, Tyreek Hill, the two long touchdown passes. Uh, the first one was probably his best, though, of the game. Uh, they put that on a line about, was it, 50, 60 yards out. And to put that just right behind the corner's head and allow Tyreek Hill to go get it and then turn around and score a touchdown. Just a phenomenal throw by uh, Pat Mahomes and... It's just, it's just those two, Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes, uh, it's just phenomenal. It's just it's unstoppable uh, what they're able to do together. Uh, but going on to Tampa, uh, they uh, they looked off for mo- – uh, well, not Tampa, my bad. Tom Brady – well, this is going to Tampa. So Tom Brady, he looked, mo- he looked uh, off for uh, most of this game. Uh, he picked it up halfway through the second quarter. But the INTs – really killed Tampa Bay in this game. They really did. They really killed them. They were on Kansas City's territory. They were driving uh, about to score some points. And two two, uh, two INTs. Uh, the first one was Tom Brady. Yeah, 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 no, he's he's old enough. Like Everybody knows he's like 100 years old. You have to learn to live, live to play another down. He threw it up there, uh, getting pressured instead of taking the sack. And uh, it got picked off and ruined a scoring opportunity for Tampa Bay. At least the field goal there. And then the second one wasn't really his fault. The ball, he like threw it. He got tipped up off his, uh, I think his uh, lineman's helmet. Or the uh, Kansas City uh, defensive lineman's helmet. Tipped up in the air and he got picked off again. So, just not, that one wasn't his fault. But, like, that, those two interceptions really was a huge difference in this game because those are two missed field goal opportunities that win Tampa Bay the game. Tampa Bay wins 30 to uh, 20, 27 if they hit those two field goals. So it's just a just missed opportunities there for Tampa Bay. Uh, Ronald Jones has been showing up huge this year. He has improved so much. Uh, I remember last year they had him and he, remember the problem with him was he couldn't read holes at all. Like he didn't know how to read uh, read the offensive line. He didn't know where to go, uh, and he was struggling a lot. We see this year uh, how much he's improved, how much he's gotten better, and how much of a dual threat he's become. Uh, he had the he had 66 yards for 7.3 yards per carry, and he obviously and then he had like a 40 yard touchdown pass where he literally hurdled a dude who was standing straight up. So like Ronald Jones is just amazing. And I wish Tampa Bay would run the ball more with him uh, and run the ball more against Kansas City. They only ran it 13 times, very reminiscent of the New Orleans Sunday night game where they where they only ran it three times. So, or four, yeah, three times. They took a knee at the end. That, that made it four. But, like, they need to run the football. Uh, having a almost, having a three-to-one pass-to-run uh, pass ratio that never ends in victory. That never ends in victory. They need to get a more balanced offense. Tampa Bay does, and they start playing better. They really do when they're when they when they balance their offense. They start playing together, or they start playing a lot better. We seen that I think with the Rams last week where they kept the ground game going. Uh, they had chances to win that game. Tom Brady didn't very really, didn't really perform well in that game. 
Uh, but it wasn't a lack of their system at all. They were balanced against the Rams, and they had they were in position to win that game uh, due to their to due to how balanced they were. And it just keeps the it just keeps the uh, defense uh, honest. It really does. Just running the football keeps the defense honest. Even if you're not running it good, it keeps them honest. It keeps them alert. So if you do run a play action, uh, sometimes the defenders will bite, and they will, uh, and then you'll get you'll be able to get a pass uh, over them and get some yardage. They just don't do that a lot. Tampa Bay doesn't. They just don't run the football consistently. They need to start doing it. They got a great running back in Ronald Jones to do it with. And it's annoying that they don't do that uh, more than they do. Tampa Bay's defense did a great job uh, after the first quarter. The first quarter was absolutely awful for Tampa Bay. 17 points. Uh, They allowed Tyree Kill... uh, let me see real quick. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, allowed uh, seventeen or yeah, seventeen points uh, in the first quarter. Uh, then only allowed sixty six. Uh, I'm gonna say my thing. My bad. So uh, I'm like, I'm looking at here. All right, so uh, Tyreek Hill had two hundred and sixty nine yards in the game. He only, he had two hundred and three. In the first quarter alone, so he only had 66, uh, 66 yards for the rest of the three quarters, and then uh, the Chiefs had 17 points in the uh, in the first quarter, and then 20 at half. So Tampa Bay only held them to seven points in the second half of the, in the second half. So Tampa Bay's defense really did step up. After the first quarter, just the first quarter was so bad that uh, that it that it really just put the dug them in a hole very early, and they couldn't climb out of it. Uh, and but Tampa Bay's defense, they they played their butts off through the rest of the three quarters. They did, they really did. Uh, they just dug themselves in a hole uh, early on in the game, and it just it just didn't end well for them. Uh, and then they forced a. This is my big thing here. They force in INT, but instead it gets called back to my opinion the stupidest penalty in the NFL at the moment. When defenders going up to try to block a pass with his hands, and then his hands come down, and he barely touches the quarterback's helmet. Like that's that's not a roughing the passer. I'm sorry, it's absolutely ridiculous. And half the time they get the call wrong. Half the time they get the call wrong. Like most of the time they don't even touch the helmet. They uh they touch the shoulder pad. They touch the hand of the quarterback, and they call a roughing the passer. Like what? Like the end of like the AFC Championship with New England and Kansas City. Uh, Tom Brady gets tapped on the shoulder, and he gets a roughing the passer call. Like it's it's not it's stupid. It shouldn't be in the game at all. Uh, and along with that, with the stupid body weight situation, I'm sorry, but like it shouldn't be in the fo- It shouldn't be in football. Football is a physical sport. If people can't, it's unfortunate sometimes people can't take the punishment. They get injured. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got injured a couple of times due to those type of plays. All right, you can't change the rules to benefit star players uh, because it kills. 
uh, other, it kills other star players. It kills the defenses. You can't just keep bending the rules to benefit offenses because it's killing the defenses uh, in these games. And for it is the here like Tampa Bay had a probably it could have been a game changing interception, but instead, uh, call roughing the passer. Kansas City is able to burn two minutes off the clock, and that was the difference in the and that was one of the differences in the game uh, because. Uh, New England, uh, they let up a couple first downs to Kansas City on that last defensive drive that they had. Uh, but if they have two more minutes, that clock's around three, three, uh, three minutes, thirty seconds. And New England, or New England, Tampa Bay still has a shot to get the ball back uh, with probably about like a minute fifteen left, probably down by six, and going to score. A, or try to score a game-winning touchdown with Tom Brady. Uh, but instead, that didn't happen, though. That you had the stupid penalty. And I just, I hate the call. I hate it. I hate the rule. It's the I, I know it's the right call, uh, technically, if you go by the rule book. But it's just a stupid rule that needs to be taken out. Uh, it's just not, it, feel, it doesn't feel like football, man. Like, you can't, like, you can't breathe on quarterbacks anymore without being rough in the passer. Uh, especially star quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. Uh, trying to get another one here. So I, 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 that's really just those two, and then yeah, Tom Brady, obviously. Uh, Drew Brees gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of calls too. Uh, yeah, just like the big quarterbacks don't really get calls, or the scrambling ones like Lamar doesn't really get that many calls. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Phil Rivers doesn't get that. <laughs> he he rarely gets a call. Um. Uh, at all, uh, Cam Newton doesn't get calls, so you just those. It's just a, it's a, it's those star, uh, those people that are the face of the NFL. They get all the calls. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, the four stars, the four star quarterbacks that everybody knows. If even if you're not even a football fan, you don't watch football. Everybody knows all four of those players. Uh, if you peep in and out of football, uh, it's just not a. It just doesn't like they they need to stop catering to the offense because it's killing the defenses uh, right now and it killed Tampa Bay in, uh, in that game. I just don't like the call. I don't like the role in there. But Tampa Bay did have opportunities to win. They made some mistakes. They threw two interceptions. Uh, Andy Reid, another phenomenal game by him, and just a like very good win here by Kansas City. It keeps them in position to win or to get home field advantage through the playoffs. And a bad loss here for Tampa Bay because they can't really falter for the rest of the season. They can't lose. They play Atlanta twice, uh, and they can't lose. They can't lose one of those games. They can't falter against them. So, just it, it was a bad win. Here. It was a bad loss here by uh, Tampa Bay, and they had chances to win, and they really just they kind of beat themselves in this game. And they got a, they got and they kind of uh, can't say Yang got helped out with a stupid roll that. It's it's helped out a lot of uh, teams here uh, lately. It bears it helped out uh, last year against Denver. Helped us get a game winning field goal. Just not a. It's just a stupid rule. I, I don't like it at all. Just kind of. I went on a rant there. Sorry, but it's just a stupid rule. But we'll move on to Seattle and Philadelphia, the Monday night game. And we'll start off with uh, Carson Wentz. He had a bad game. Uh, I will admit, I, I love Carson Wentz. I think he's an amazing quarterback. But I will admit, when he has a bad game, he had a terrible game against Seattle. Uh, that was it was a bad game. 
Uh, he missed a wide open receiver at the start of the game. Uh, and he just never really got on track throughout the whole game. He just looked off. And a lot of... A lot of... Uh, I think Carson Wilson... Or Carson Wentz's... Uh, a lot of his mishaps this year is came from... Uh, I think everything falling apart around him. Uh... The receivers don't get enough separation when he throws. He has to throw tight window throws like every single time he throws. Uh, he, de- he doesn't have anybody like wide open down the field. Uh, Offensive line is absolutely awful. He gets hit every single like every single play. Uh, most sacked uh, quarterback in the NFL. And we're starting to see that affect his uh, mentality. He's not stepping through these throws on some of them. He's leaving them up. They're selling on him. And it's just not a... It's not a recipe for success. We've seen it uh, with Andrew Luck at times as well, where he never he didn't really step into the throws uh, at times because he was so banged up that he just didn't want to take another hit. So uh, he didn't step into the throws. He threw a couple bad interceptions, and you're like that's not as that doesn't really represent Andrew Luck that well. Like he's, he makes some beautiful throws. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but why is he throwing these stupid interceptions? He's he's getting hit a lot. He's not stepping to his throw. Same thing with Carson Wentz. Not stepping to his throw, getting hit every single play. It's just absolutely awful. Uh, he took six sacks in this game and 12 quarterback hits. Against a not, not a very good pass rushing team. They did that to uh, Philadelphia's offensive line. It's just awful. It's absolutely awful. Uh, what, what this man has to go through. Uh... Every every week, it's just absolutely awful. But I will say a positive for Philadelphia's offense: Carson Wentz scrambling the football looked really good. I know all three of his major injuries: his back, his uh, torn ACL, and then the concussion in the playoff game all came from him scrambling. But he just needs to scramble, scramble. He needs to trust himself more. He needs to slide. Trust the refs. That one thing I will say: I think they get the most of the calls right on is sliding. Uh, is protecting sliding quarterbacks. We've seen Tony Romo injure his back. We've seen Joe Flacco, Andy Dalton get knocked out trying to slide. So I think that's one of the newer rules that's been very beneficial to quarterbacks is sliding, uh, is trying to slide, and he needs to learn how to slide. I, I don't think I've ever seen him slide before. He's always diving for first downs, and it's and he ends up getting injured uh, a lot. Uh, because of it, so I just I, I like to see him scramble more, and but just be safer with it and uh, slide down. But when we're on the Philadelphia's uh, Philadelphia's defense, I almost dropped my phone there again, uh, and they just play they play phenomenal as well. They held Seattle to a 2.5 yards per carry, and held Russell Wilson under 250 yards. Uh, also, uh, Philadelphia's defense got two sacks and seven quarterback hits on Russell Wilson. So, like, Philadelphia's defense uh, has been, like, absolutely, uh, like, very underrated this year. Has been very underrated. And they don't get the props they deserve. They're almost top 10 in almost every single defensive category. Uh, The main ones are definitely top 10. The uh, yards per game and running and passing. Uh, the sacks, they're top ten. They're actually the top five in the sacks, and they just don't—they just don't get the love uh, 
that they deserve. Uh, they had the great goal line stand at the beginning of the game. They had the fourth and short stop uh, on Russell Wilson's uh, read option. Both of those came in the first quarter. Philadelphia's defense, they're wasting this defense this year with how bad their offense is playing. It's just, it's not a, it's not a good recipe at all, especially with team morale and everything. It's not a very good, uh, uh, not a uh, very good recipe for success at all. So we'll move on to Seattle, and I love what Seattle did here. Uh, they kept a balanced game. I loved what they did. They were like, we're going to be a balanced team. Doesn't matter how bad we are running the football. And this is what I was saying earlier with Tampa Bay. Just run the football. It doesn't matter uh, how good you're, how bad you're running. Just run the football. Seattle ran 30. Uh, they had 30 uh, rushes. They had 31 passes. Seattle needs uh, they need to do this to win. They really do. We've seen them when they don't have a balanced offense. They don't play well. Uh, and when they start having a balanced offense, they play extremely well. They played extremely well this week. Uh, Chris Carson had a really good game uh, this week. He had eight carries, 5.1 yards uh, a carry. They need to get him more involved. I know he's coming off of an injury. But once they start getting him more involved, this offense for Seattle is going to be more dangerous than what it already is. Uh, and it's just, like, this, this Seattle team's dangerous. It is. Their defense is starting to play a lot better. They held uh, Philadelphia to 2.7 yards of carry uh, between uh, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. So their defense is getting better each week. Uh, their run defense, at least. Their passing defense has been... It's been up and down at times. It's been more down than up. But Seattle's a very dangerous team walking to these, uh, getting closer to the playoffs. And if they keep this formula, just this balanced formula, and Chris Carson stays healthy and he's running the football, this Seattle team's going to be very hard to beat. And then you had DK Metcalf, who had 10 receptions, 177 yards. And most of that was against great coverage by Darius Slay. He was just out muscling Darius Slay to get the football. And out uh, athleticism him to get the football, just uh, incredible plays by him. Uh, and this this off this this Seattle team is very dangerous, uh, and it's getting closer to the playoffs. They're finding what they do well, uh, and they're sticking to it. So just a very good, uh, very good uh, game plan by uh, Seattle, and they're st- they're starting to they're starting to get on a roll here. They're starting to pick up momentum. For uh, the Eagles, I just they need a they need to I think they need to revamp everything. I really do. Uh, their defense is absolutely phenomenal, but like you, as you have a cult, you have a quarterback. I don't think that wants to be there. Uh, you have a offensive line that's the worst in the league, uh, and he's <laughs> they're hitting. The, you're getting your quarterback who doesn't want to be there killed. So it's just not a good recipe for success for Philadelphia right now, and it's just. We're starting to see it spiral out of control. Uh, I think at this point, just put Jalen Hurts in for Philadelphia. Trade Carson Wentz in the offseason. And just be it like that. Because it's not a... Like, Philadelphia... There's a lot of turmoil in Philadelphia. You can see it. There hasn't been reports on it. But you can kind of see it start to brew up. Uh, We have the reports coming out where 
uh, Doug Peterson didn't really want to draft Jalen Hurts. He wanted to. Uh, they wanted to go out and get Jeremy Chin, but instead uh, they got overrided. I think by uh, Howie Roseman, their GM, and they drafted Jalen Hurts instead of Jeremy Chin. And Jeremy Chin this week uh, had two fumble recoveries for a touchdown against Minnesota. Uh, he plays for Carolina. He's a safety there. So. It's just the stuff like that, uh, front office stuff, where you're just disagreeing on a lot of main stuff, how to build this team and how to get this team winning. That's it, it's it's building up in this organization, and it's not going to end well at all. It's not going to end well at all for Philadelphia. So we'll move on to the last game of the last game this week: Baltimore at Pittsburgh. And the start of this, the start of the game. Both uh, the start of the game, both defenses were playing uh, extremely well. They're playing really good. Uh, Baltimore uh, turns the ball over in their own ter- territory, but forces uh, Ben Roethlisberger to throw an interception on the uh, fourth and go. Uh, just an amazing stand there by Baltimore. And then all of a sudden, then you have a, a great play by Joe Hayden where he read the route perfectly, jumped it. Got a pick six on uh, RG three, so it was just a amazing play by him. It just oh, this was a great defensive game, it really was. It was a great defensive game. It was a great, uh, great schemes. They they know each other so well. Baltimore and Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, they know each other so well uh, that it's really hard to judge how they do in these games because these games are always going to be close. These games are always going to be close, so it's very hard to judge how they really do in these games. Uh, because I think in a normal game, Pittsburgh probably dominates a team that has all their starters out, a majority of their starters out uh, due to COVID. But it's Baltimore. Baltimore's going to play them tough no matter what. Uh, and it's it's just a this rivalry is probably the best uh, team versus team rivalry that we've had. Over the last decade, and I know, I think Chris Collinsworth said that. Uh, I think it is. I, I would agree with him there. It, it's the best. Uh, is the best rivalry I think in the last decade. Uh, Baltimore and Pitt. Every game has been close. Every game has been exciting. Uh, every game has had playoff imp- uh, implications to them. So, or almost all of them, and it's just like it's just a great rivalry for the sport. And it keeps getting like better and better uh, each uh, each game. We had the uh, uh, not this game, but like the last game came down to Lamar uh, trying to fit in a tight window pass at, at the goal line to win the game, and they didn't end up doing it. Uh, and it's just all this stuff uh, just building up, and it's just a very it's just an amazing it's amazing games to watch. It's to the to the uh, two games I I would love to watch each year is the Steelers uh, and the Ravens play each other, but uh, it also like uh, going back to the game here, kind of off topic there. But going back to the game, it's very sloppy as well. Like both teams did play pretty bad. They had two interceptions and two fumbles in the first quarter uh, for both teams, uh, and. Like it was great defensive play, but it was also very sloppy offensive play, especially on Baltimore's end. Uh, there was a lot of penalties, uh, a lot of players didn't know where to go. A lot of that was due to not having your quarterback in there, uh, 
and having a lot of people out due to the uh, COVID restrictions. Uh, but it's just a uh, this game. This game could have been a lot better. I think Baltimore wins this game with Lamar Jackson. I really do. I think they win this game with Lamar Jackson. Uh, so uh, Baltimore. I so we'll get into uh, some of the stuff. Baltimore. I think it did a great job on defense of bending but not breaking. Uh, they had the go to goal situations where they forced an INT. They forced a uh, they forced two field goals, and the only pit touchdown in the first half came on a pick six. So Denver, uh, Denver, uh, Baltimore's defense is very good. They just got to. I think the one thing they they need to work on is the run game, and Steelers aren't a very run heavy team. So the Steelers work into Baltimore's strengths on defense. And that's where you, I think that's where you've seen like well, uh, why Pitt was struggling on offense this week is because they play into the because they play into the strengths of Baltimore's defense. Uh, and Baltimore on the offensive end, I, I I loved what they were doing with Lamar, uh, not Lamar, uh, with RG three, uh, and how they were pulling the guards and pulling the tackles and having a tight end crack back on the defensive end. Those pulling plays were working so well for Baltimore in the first half. Uh, and they were just moving the football with ease on those. Even, like, it didn't matter who was running. It was RG3, Justice uh, Hill, uh, Gus Edwards. It didn't matter who was running. Uh, all three of them were picking up some huge yardage on these pull plays. And I think I think uh, uh, Baltimore accidentally stumbled into a weakness of Pittsburgh is like I don't think they can they got smaller defensive ends like TJ Watt uh <coughs> excuse me uh Bud Dupree uh they're smaller they're they're very good uh defensive ends but they're but they're smaller and Baltimore has some huge offensive linemen and if they're pulling that's gonna be a lot of weight coming down at you and they're able to kick out uh kick them out and then uh, create a lot of space up uh, in the hole and uh, allow a one-on-one with a linebacker or safety for uh, Baltimore's uh, running back. So, like, just Baltimore, just they match up well against Pittsburgh. And I know everybody's going to be like, this game is a lot closer than what it should have been. I would agree to some extent on that. But Baltimore matches up very well with Pittsburgh. Uh, And if I'm Pittsburgh... I would do not want to see Baltimore in the playoffs at all. Uh, but it's just a man. Just I'm just thinking about Lamar. If, what if Lamar was in this game, this game would have been completely different. This game would have been completely different. Uh, I do like John Harbaugh's uh, aggressive at the end of the half to try to go for the touchdown. I, I feel that doesn't win you the game. You have to go for a touchdown there. But I do agree. It should have been a penalty called. Uh, it should have been a delay game. They were intentionally on top. Uh, I think it was Gus Edwards, and preventing him to get up. That's a delay game. They should have stopped the clock. Uh, Baltimore should have got some points out of that possession. They should have got some points out of that possession, but they didn't. Uh, and that was just a missed call there by the ref, and it cost Baltimore in this game because they don't have to rush that play action. I think Luke Wilson probably catches the football. 
uh, if they don't have to rush it, or they probably score a touchdown if they don't have to rush it, and get a better play call in there. And it's just, it's just how the game goes sometimes. A ref misses the call, and it just it kills you in the end. Uh, but in, going to the second half, Baltimore didn't do what they did in the first half at all. Uh, they stopped using the pull plays. They uh, just didn't, like, I don't know why they did that. Like, they did it in the first drive of the second half. They they were pulling a lot. And then after the first drive, they stopped pulling. They stopped using those pull plays. And Baltimore's offense got very stagnated. And then, and then you had RG3 get injured. Uh, like, you see that immediately. Like, he uh, caught the ball. He dropped back and then just stepped awkwardly. Look at his knee kind of, like, gave out on him for a little bit. Uh, and... It, and then you put Trace McSorley in there, and it just it just went downhill for uh, Baltimore uh, at the end of the game. And they got like a lucky play there with uh, Trace McSorley uh, throwing a pass to Hollywood Brown to make the game a lot closer than what it was. But Pitt's defense is phenomenal. They're the best. De- they're one. They're a top five defense in the league. Uh, they proved that again this week. They just have so much versatility on their defense that uh, it's just a. It just uh, they they don't they match up with a lot of teams very well, and they don't really have a true weakness. Uh, maybe it's a pulling, but maybe they can fix that as well, because uh, that's very coachable to teach uh, to guard against pulling. It's very coachable. You just got to uh, you just got to teach and you got to uh, get them working in, get some reps in, uh, and then that should be fixed. But. Uh, I just I I really love uh, what Pitt's defense has done this year. I, I really love it, and it sucks that uh, Bud Dupree got injured, maybe a torn ACL. But what Pitt's have done defense has been absolutely phenomenal uh, this year. And then going to uh, Pittsburgh's offense, I don't like what they're doing on offense. I really don't. This quick passing game uh, is not going to work well if they place a play a very physical cornerback team. So I really want to see what they do against uh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis has some very physical corners. And they're not going to let these quick passes fly against them at all. And I, they're going to get a lot of jams. And the way you stop uh, quick passes is just jam the receiver at the line of scrimmage. It messes up the route. It messes up the timing of these quick throws. Uh, and it forces... Uh, the Steelers uh, to design some other plays to get the ball out a little bit slower, so the jam doesn't affect the throw or the affect the play as much. And it's just a like they need. I don't. I don't like it. Uh, Baltimore's uh, Baltimore played it very well, but they got some slower uh, cornerbacks. They got some older ones. Shermon Williams is thirty-seven. Marcus Peters. Uh, is in his 30s, and then you have Marlon Humphrey, the only young one in there, and he didn't really get picked on the whole game because he was because uh, he's their best cornerback. So they really picked on Tremont Williams and uh, Marcus Peters in this game, and they're just not fit. Both of them are not very physical corners to begin with, and they're owed on top of that. And Pitt just dominated in that quick passing game. So I'm very interested to see when Pitt faces a some very physical cornerbacks. Uh, how they respond to it. We'll see it against Buffalo uh, in a couple weeks uh, with Tredavious White. So uh, I'm really interested to see how some of these physical corners play this uh, quick passing game. Uh, 
of Pittsburgh. And I really wish they'd run the football more. Uh, I think a lot of their offensive troubles came from not running the football enough. Uh, and if they just start running the football more uh, and get some more balance into their offense, I think their offense is just going to be a, just even much better. Uh, because they don't, run a, they don't run a lot of play actions. They don't take a lot of deep shots. But when they do take deep shots, they get a lot of P.I. penalties. Because of how big and physical the receivers are, it's hard to guard them on these jump balls. So they get a lot of PIs, they get a lot of jump balls, and they just need. To, I think they need to start doing some of those deep shots and some play actions more often, and get the running game involved. Because Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh's offense has been stalling here lately, and uh, I think a one way to get it back going is to get the run game involved in the offense and not be so one dimensional. So that's going to wrap it up here for uh for my uh week 12 recap uh sorry it went over just a little bit uh longer i kind of went on i ran went off topic a couple times so sorry about the uh longness of this uh recap so uh i have a finals week uh coming up here i'm trying to get ready for finals week so my predictions might be on uh might come out early saturday or my postings might come out early Saturday uh, morning uh, for my uh, predictions podcast. Uh, I'm going to try to get it out by Friday, uh, Friday afternoon or something. Try to get it out there. But if I can't, it will be out uh, Saturday morning uh, for the week 13 predictions. And it might be a little bit different of a format. I've been going a little bit analytical here uh, through the majority of the season where I've been giving you stats and uh, predicting all of those stats and how I think teams are going to do. Uh, I might have to go uh, not as analytical this time uh, and have to like go what the old format used to be. Uh, if you don't know the old, for- old format, I used to uh, do uh, me and my brother would uh, go out and we would, uh, instead of picking the games, we'd pick the games live and you get our first reaction to these games and what we thought our like our initial reactions or initial thoughts of these games were. And I might do that this week just to save myself some time so I can uh study for my finals. But uh if I got time I will do some analytical work and hopefully I can get a couple a couple of the big games in there with analytical stuff. But uh yeah, it will be kind of like a little bit different for the predictions uh this week. Uh because of the later start time and then maybe a little bit different format as well so thank you all again for uh listening uh, make sure to like it share it rate it five stars make sure to comment as well uh let me know any criticisms make me uh help me uh let it just be more enjoyable for y'all uh, i'm always open to criticism and i'm trying to better myself in doing this uh to make it more enjoyable for y'all so if y'all have any criticisms to help this uh make it go smoother to flow better uh, through the podcast, just let me know uh, in the comment section wherever you listen it to. Uh, listen it to. So thank you all again for listening, and I will talk to y'all uh, on the prediction show. So see y'all later. Bye.